Hello, my name is Arabella Cole, and today's scripture reading comes from Luke 9, verses 1 and 2, and Luke 10, verses 17 to 20. One day, Jesus called together his twelve disciples and gave them power and authority to cast out all demons and to heal all diseases. Then he sent them out to tell everyone about the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. When the seventy-two disciples returned, they joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. Yes, he told them, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Look, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy, and you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. But don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Hey Grace242, in part one of this message I told you that Morgan and I recently finished watching a TV show called The Shrink Next Door. The Shrink Next Door dramatizes the true story of a psychiatrist named Ike Hirschkoff and his patient Marty Markowitz. Over the course of 30 years, the psychiatrist Ike took advantage of Marty Markowitz to the tune of $3 million. Part of the way Ike took advantage of Marty surrounded Marty's vacation home in Southampton, New York. Marty's father left the vacation home to Marty when he died. Marty inherited the Southampton home by virtue of his sonship, and as the owner of the Southampton home and the executor of his father's estate, Marty has both authority and power over the Southampton home. One of the ways Ike manipulated Marty was by throwing extravagant parties at the Southampton home under the pretense that Ike owned the property. As part of the pretense, Ike hung pictures of himself with famous people on the wall of the home. Ike exerted power over Marty. And remember that power is ability or capacity. And so as part of the manipulations that Ike was running on Marty, he exerted the power to hang up his own photos on the walls of Marty's vacation home. But over the course of the 30 years that Marty spent with Ike, eventually Marty realized that he was being manipulated and he left the cycle of abuse and cut Ike out of his life. Because Marty has something that Ike did not have. Marty has authority over the vacation property. As the executor of the estate and the owner of the Southampton property, Marty has something that Ike does not have. He has authority over the property. And eventually he kicked Ike out of his life and removed the pictures from the wall. Let's look at our first scripture passage for today. Let's look at Luke 9 verses 1 to 2. One day Jesus called together his 12 disciples and gave them power and authority to cast out all demons and to heal all diseases. Then he sent them out to tell everyone about the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Jesus sends out his disciples with power and with authority to exercise that power. Remember, power is capacity or ability, and authority is the rightful exercise of that capacity and ability. And so Jesus sends out his disciples with power and with the authority to rightfully exercise that power. And the disciples, one chapter later, return to Jesus excited about all the cool stuff they're seeing as a result of that rightful exercise of the power. Let's look at our second scripture passage today. Let's look at Luke chapter 10, and we'll read verses 17 to 19. When the 72 disciples returned, they joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. Yes, Jesus told them, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Look, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy, and you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. 
But don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. The disciples return to Jesus excited because they are putting into action this power that Jesus has extended to them. They are seeing the results of Jesus' extension of power. They're seeing what can happen when the disciples rightfully wield the power that Jesus extends to them. Let's diagram this for a second, and this will be review from part one of this message last week. It all begins with King Jesus, who is the all-powerful, all-authoritative one. He has authority over all things. Remember last week our Ephesians passage that says he rules over all things? Meaning, he has the rightful exercise of all of his power. He is omnipotent. He is all-powerful and he is all-authoritative. So he completely has all the rights to exercise all of the power that he has. And then we see in Luke 9 verses 1 to 2 that he extends this power and the authority to rightfully exercise that power to his disciples. Now this mirrors what happens at the very beginning of the Bible. Let's turn to the beginning of the Bible to Genesis chapter 1 and we're going to read verses 26 to 28. Then God said, Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God he created them, male and female he created them. Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it, reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. I have a question for the kids in the room. So kids, this question is for you. Who created people? Who created people? God created people. That's right. And because God created people, and because God created the universe, because God made us, that makes God the ruler over us. That means God has authority over us. That means God is in charge of us because he is the creator of us. When you create something, you become the authority over that thing. When you make something, you become in charge of that thing. For instance, how many of you out there like to build Legos? Well, when you build a Lego creation, you get to decide what happens to it because you are in charge of that Lego creation. You can either put it up on a shelf to display it, or you can play with it and include it in part of your imaginary world that you've set up. We got Bryn a Lego mall for Christmas, and she put that together all by herself. She only needed a little bit of help from me on the escalator in the mall. This thing's pretty cool, and I got this at the Sheboygan Warehouse for those of you who know what I'm talking about. So we got her a mall, and she built the mall, and now she keeps the mall on her shelf, but then sometimes she'll pull the mall down and we play with it. Colin and Bryn and I will play with the Lego characters in the mall. And usually Colin likes to take the little boy and run all over the mall and pretend that he's being this super naughty kid. But anyway, Bryn is the creator of the Lego set. So she is in charge of the Lego set and gets to decide what happens to the Lego set. When you create something, you become the person in charge or the authority over that thing. And God, as the creator of the universe, has all of the power to speak that universe into existence, but also as the creator of the universe, he has all authority over that universe. He has all the power to create it, and he has all the authority over it. So here's God, all authoritative and all powerful, creating the universe. 
And then in verse 28 of Genesis 1, he tells humans, be fruitful and multiply. Now that's power. That's ability or capacity. Because when God says to humans, be fruitful and multiply, he is saying, continue creating, continue making things. And so what God has done is he has shared some of his creative ability or creative capacity with humans. Now he doesn't share all of his creative ability because God can speak stars into the sky and, and we can't say stars appear and then they appear. No, that doesn't happen for us. But we do have the ability to create things. Bob Hartline and Dan Holtz in our church have made amazing woodworking creations. We can create sidewalk chalk drawings. We can create stories. We can create music. We can create snow angels. We can create light shows at Christmas time. We can create all sorts of things. And so God has shared his creative power to a degree with humans. And then later in verse 28, God says, govern and reign over the earth. Now that's authority. It is the rightful exercise of the creative power that God has shared with us. He extends authority to his humans as his under rulers, as his sub-governors, to exercise the power that he shared with us rightfully. And so even in Genesis 1, at the very beginning of the Bible, we already see God sharing his authority and his power with us as humans. Now let's go back to Luke chapter 10. And we're going to read verses 17 to 20 again. But this time, pay attention to how Jesus responds to his disciples. When the 72 disciples returned, they joyfully reported to Jesus, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. Yes, Jesus told them, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Look, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy, and you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. But don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. Do you see what Jesus is doing there? He's telling his disciples, hey, don't rejoice because of all the action that you're seeing. Don't rejoice because you're a witness to all these miracles. Rejoice because your name is written in the book of life in heaven. Rejoice because there's a spot prepared for you in my Father's house one day. Rejoice because you are saved for all eternity and get to spend eternity with me. That's why you should be rejoicing, not because you get to see a bunch of cool stuff. In other words, Jesus is telling them, don't rejoice because of all the exciting things you see. Rejoice because you are my child. You are part of my family. You belong to me. There's a home for you in eternity. That's why you should be rejoicing. Let's go back to the diagram and we're going to fill in something new. King Jesus extends his power and authority to his disciples. But here's the important part. But we receive power and authority from Jesus out of our relationship to him, out of our relationship to the king, our relationship that we are children of God, children of the king, that we have been saved through Jesus and therefore adopted into his family. Turn with me to Romans 8 and we'll read verses 14 to 17. This is going to put some flesh on this dynamic for us. Let's read Romans 8, 14 to 17. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. 
Instead, you received God's Spirit when He adopted you as His own children. Now we call Him Abba, Father, for His Spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are His children, we are His heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share in His glory, we must also share in His suffering. The point that Paul is making here in Romans is that the Holy Spirit has this special role of sealing us to God as His children, of affirming that we are daughters and sons of God. And verse 17 tells us that as children of God, we are also heirs of God. Marty Markowitz owns his Southampton vacation home because it was given to him in his father's will. Marty Markowitz has power and authority over his Southampton home by virtue of the fact that he is his father's son, that he is the heir of his father's estate. So the reason why Marty Markowitz has a vacation home in, in Southampton, New York, is because he is an heir of his father, purely by relationship to his dad, is why Marty Markowitz has power and authority over that Southampton home. And in the same way, Jesus extends power and authority to his disciples by virtue of the fact that those who follow Jesus, those who believe in Jesus, are children of God. And as children of God, we have been adopted into his family. And when we have been adopted into God's family because we came to saving faith in Jesus Christ, we have also become heirs of God. So as children of God who believe in Jesus, who follow Jesus, we are also heirs to God. Now go back to Romans 8 verse 16. And let's ask this question. Who seals our daughtership or sonship to God? Romans 8 16. For His Spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. Who affirms our sonship or daughtership? The Holy Spirit. So let's go to our diagram and we have to put the Holy Spirit on there. The Holy Spirit binds our sonship or daughtership to the King, our sonship or daughtership to God, with the reality that Jesus extends His power and authority to His disciples, that Jesus extends His power and authority to his children. Romans 8 verses 14 to 17 tells us that it is the Holy Spirit who binds us as God's children, who seals us as children of the King. So we could label this left side here, covenant. And this goes all the way back to Abraham. Turn with me to Genesis 28 verse 14. And as you're turning there, we're gonna see in this verse that God is making a covenant with Abraham that God is making a promise to Abraham that Abraham's family will function as God's representatives to this earth. Let's look at Genesis 28, verse 14. Here's what God tells Abraham. Your descendants will be as numerous as the dust of the earth. They will spread out in all directions to the west and the east, to the north and the south, and all the families of the earth will be blessed through you and your descendants. God adopted Abraham to be his child and God adopted Abraham's descendants and offspring to be his children. And he extends his rule and reign then through Abraham and his family because Abraham and his family are tasked with the job of showing the world who God is. And by showing the world who God is, Abraham and his children will then make it so that more people come to know God and are thereby adopted into God's family. 
This is God extending his rule and reign over the earth through his relationship to his children. Let's go back to the diagram. We are children of the King and the Holy Spirit binds our daughtership or sonship to the reality that Jesus extends his power and the authority to rightfully exercise that power to his sons and daughters. Jesus doesn't just give us his power and authority, he extends his power and authority to us for the purpose of expanding his kingdom. So let's put kingdom along the other side there. Now I came up with this diagram that looks like a capital H because it helps me order all of these things. I mean, when I read the Gospels and Acts and I see all these amazing things happening, all these miracles, I sometimes wonder, how come I don't see this stuff in my own life? And then I read Jesus who says, you will do the same things I've done and even greater things than me. What do you mean, Jesus? Why don't I see this then? Well, maybe I don't see this in my life because I don't wrap my mind properly around these realities because I don't approach these realities properly and maybe because I have this stuff misappropriated or I don't rightly order these things in my life or I don't have all of these elements that I cultivate in my relationship with Christ in my life. Maybe I don't see these things in my life because I don't keep these things in order as I ought. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at a failure and a success. Let's look at the failure first. Turn with me to Acts chapter 19, and we're going to read verses 13 to 16. And this event takes place in Ephesus with a Jewish high priest by the name of Sceva and his seven sons who were trying to cast out demons in the name of Jesus. Let's look at Acts 19 verses 13 to 16. A group of Jews was traveling from town to town casting out evil spirits. They tried to use the name of the Lord Jesus in their incantation, saying, I command you in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, a leading priest, were doing this. But one time when they tried it, the evil spirit replied, I know Jesus and I know Paul, but who are you? Then the man with the evil spirit leapt on them, overpowered them, and attacked them with such violence that they fled from the house naked and battered. Let's look at this failure through the diagram. Sceva and his sons knew the name of Jesus, and they were attempting to exercise the power using Jesus' name. Well, why didn't it work? Because Sceva and his sons didn't believe that Jesus is the king. They didn't believe that Jesus is who he says he is. They didn't believe that Jesus is the Messiah. They didn't believe that Jesus is God. They didn't have a relationship with Jesus. They were simply using his name as an incantation, as if simply saying the right name would make it work. Covenant is messed up because Sceva and his sons aren't children of God. They don't believe Jesus is the Messiah, so they're not heirs of Christ. And if they don't believe in Jesus, they don't have the Holy Spirit living inside of them. Furthermore, the kingdom is messed up because they don't have the authority to exercise the power. They're not sons of the king, so they don't have the right to exercise power over demons. This is why the demon said, we answer to Jesus, but we don't answer to you. There was no authority there. This event is a failure because covenant and kingdom are both broken in Sceva and his seven sons. That's the failure. But let's look at the success. Turn to John chapter 5 and we'll read verses 19 and then verse 30. So Jesus explained, I tell you the truth, the Son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the Father doing. Whatever the Father does, the Son does also. 
I can do nothing on my own. I judge as God tells me. Therefore, my judgment is just, because I carry out the will of the one who sent me, not my own will. Does anyone find it kind of crazy and kind of nuts that in verse 19, Jesus says, the son can do nothing by himself. And then in verse 30, Jesus says, I can do nothing on my own. It's like, what do you mean, Jesus? You can do nothing by yourself. You can do nothing on your own. You're Jesus. You're all authoritative. You're all powerful. What do you mean you can only do what the father does? But this is covenant. Jesus is in relationship with his father. He is the son of his father. That's the covenant side. And then on the kingdom side, Jesus's power and authority spring from his relationship, his sonship with his father. And so his kingdom goes forward, not by Jesus doing his own will, but by doing the will of his father. Kingdom expands out of Jesus's covenant relationship. Kingdom comes out of covenant. In John 5:19, Jesus says, I tell you the truth. So here's the truth now. The son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the father doing. He does not his own will, but he does the will of his father. He expands his kingdom. He acts in power and authority out of his covenant relationship with his father. Now, if that is the truth that Jesus tells us, if that is true for Jesus, well then how true is that for us? If the kingdom springs out of covenant for Jesus, then how true is that for us? Why don't I see these things happening in my life? Why don't I see power and authority? Well, I wonder if it's because all of these things are misordered or maybe not present to the degree that they ought to be in my walk with Christ. Maybe I don't even believe in Jesus. So maybe you don't even proclaim that he is the king of kings. Well, if that's the case, then you're not a son or daughter of God. And so sonship and daughtership is completely missing. Or maybe you are focusing too much on the power without giving heed to the dynamic that you are operating under the authority of Jesus, that his authority and power is extended to you. Maybe you're like the disciples and you become too enamored with the works and you're forgetting who extends the ability to do those works to you and that is Jesus. Maybe something's off in your life. Maybe all of these need to be properly ordered. Maybe all these need to be paid attention to. Maybe it just stems from the fact that you're not really cultivating a relationship with Jesus right now. Sure, you're adopted into his family. Sure, you're a son or a daughter, but you're not paying a whole lot of attention to him. Maybe something is misordered in your life. As a house church, I'd like you to take a look at the diagram. And as you're looking at that diagram, just ask the room, which word from this diagram is popping out to you? and then give everyone a chance to share what word from the diagram is popping out to them or what dynamic from the diagram is popping out to them. And then ask the question, why is that word or that dynamic from the diagram popping out to you? Why do you think the Holy Spirit is highlighting that word for you? Is it because of a proper ordering in your life or is it because of an improper ordering in your life? So what is the Holy Spirit highlighting for you from the diagram and why is the Holy Spirit highlighting it? And then the next question is, how can we be properly ordered? How can we make sure that these things are true in our life and cultivated as part of our following of Jesus? 
What are the practices that keep this diagram fresh and alive in our life? And then lastly, if you really want a challenge as a house church, turn to the events of Simon the Sorcerer in Acts chapter 8. And you as a house church are going to read Acts chapter 8 verses 9 to 24 out loud. You can maybe take turns reading those verses or just have a volunteer read it. So you're reading the events of Simon the Sorcerer in Acts chapter 8, 9 to 24. Okay? And then after you're done reading those events, you're going to look at those events according to the diagram that we just drew. And then you're going to talk about what pieces of the diagram were missing for Simon the Sorcerer. Basically, analyze Simon the Sorcerer's story according to the diagram that we just spent two weeks putting together. Where was there an improper ordering in Simon's life? Or where were there critical elements missing in Simon's life? Look at Simon the Sorcerer through the diagram that we spent the last two weeks putting together. I hope it's a great discussion. I hope the Lord blesses you. I'll see you next time, Grace 242.